I'm not going to get real deep right now uh, talking about that. We know what we have to do here. And um, I think I said yesterday or two days ago, we know we have a ways to go here. And today was, was, um, was a tough one. It really wasn't, wasn't close today. You know, we didn't get an opportunity to step up in the pocket and go through progressions. Uh, it, was, it was closing in quick. You know, Derek was, was on the run a lot and he got hit too much. And uh, we can't allow that to happen. We just can't do it. What's up, football fans? It's time for another edition of the Vegas Nation podcast brought to you by your local Southern Nevada Toyota dealer. I'm your host, Heidi Fang. Today, joined with Gilbert Manzano in the house. We have Michael Gelkin still enjoying the United Kingdom. He's out in Ireland, so he will not be a part of today's show. But the Raiders are on the bye. That guy needed a day off desperately. So here we are, Gilbert, back in Vegas. The Raiders had a complete debacle <laughs> back over there in London. Uh, one of those things where you look at the game and wonder just what happened, what fell apart, what went wrong. But moreover, you have to re look at what happened and say, is this just now time to focus on rebuilding? Is it time to just get back to, you know, thinking about next year, draft picks? What what do the Raiders do after what happened over in London, man? I mean, it was a, like I said, just a train wreck watching it in slow kind of motion and just everything just crashing into each other and falling apart on the field. Wow, Heidi, you're coming in hot. This is a very depressing <laughs> intro so far. I, I, I feel that Raider fans do not want to listen to this podcast because Man, you remind them of everything that went wrong in London. How about the Michael Gelkin, man? He's taking a day off. The Raiders did too uh, in London for that Seahawks game. What what a blowout. What a, uh, a terrible nightmare for the for the Raiders. I was watching this game. I, I couldn't take it anymore. I, I think I stopped watching here and there. But, man, you were, you were out there in the rain, so for you, I felt bad. And I was kind of happy to be back in Las Vegas and not in London for you guys to watch that game. But overall, like you said, a debacle, a nightmare, atrocious, terrible. What, are, what, are, what do you want to call it? That was a poor game, 27-3, to 185 yards total of offense. So it was all around. The defense couldn't do anything. Just you name it, it was bad, 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 and more bad. Yeah, and talking about bad, you said you felt sorry for me out there. It was raining. There was a light mist coming down the entire time. At the end of the game, downpour, like torrential London downpour, and I was drenched. I had on this poncho that covered just the top <laughs> wow. of me, but the bottom half, man, I was sitting in the airplane for nine and a half hours on the way home with wet shoes because I had to try to dry them out with the hairdryer in the hotel room, but that wasn't happening. So by the time I got on the airplane, I'm sitting there my pants are in a suitcase wet I tried to put them in a bag but then they're like dripping onto everything so oh, man. yeah there was a lot of moisture in the bag by the time I opened up everything <laughs> and it was just it was bad uh, but today you know we are going to get into this debacle break it down say what does it mean for the Raiders they are one in five now and we're also going to bring you some sounds from John Gruden who spoke about what is going on with the team what he thought of the performance from London and we're also going to bring on Nick Costos good friend of mine who now works for CBS Sports HQ he is an anchor there he does everything with Sportsline he also has a fantasy football show and a podcast as well and he actually talks a little bit about wrestling but not like Ooh. not like you know shoot a single leg kind of wrestling he talks about like wrestling okay yeah the, 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 he's into not all the, of not the Khabib wrestling this is no, real like, wrestling yeah like Lana and Ronda Rousey <laughs> kind of wrestling out there in the WWE can't wait sphere. for that. yeah so he's a, <laughs> a guy that I, I've known for a long time and we're gonna bring him on here to talk about this week's betting lines because the Raiders are on a bye 
So let's make things interesting. Let's talk like about that. some positive We're going things. around the league. Let's see what we can do for the Vegas fans listening and hopefully get them involved on some uh, money lines here and see how they can, uh, you know, expand their paychecks, make some money. So <laughs> I'm guessing you always got to bet against the Raiders to make some money, right? That's easy money. Oh, yeah, but this week, since they're on a buy, it's, you know. You got to find other ways. You have to find other ways. <laughs> You're going to have to dig into some of the numbers and, and see what, uh, I guess, uh, they call them sharps and squares. I'm a square. <laughs> I know nothing. So we have to bring on a sharp to talk to us and, and like tell it. us what to do. So, uh, Gilbert, hey, we got to get into this game again. This, do we have to? We do have to. It's part of what we do here <laughs> on the Vegas Nation We will podcast. not give up on the Raiders. There's no tanking here, right? I would hope not. But if you're a Raider fan at this point, maybe you do want them to tank. Uh, I remember back, I'm a 49ers uh, fan, I admit it, right here on the podcast. <laughs> and I remember back when uh, there was a time when they were like one and 15, I believe. No, 1 of 14, excuse Whoa. me. 1 of 14. And I wanted them to lose that last game so bad, and they won. Is this the Reggie Bush year or Alex Smith year? It was before Alex Smith. So 2004. I yeah, I, we'll I remember. We'll have Larry look that one up. But yeah, 2004. That was it. And it was a terrible season. And I wanted nothing more than just to get the number one draft pick. They were playing against Houston. I remember that. Yeah. And in that draft, by the way, I would have gone for Aaron Rodgers over Alex Smith. Any time, any day. Yeah, so those, those were two <laughs> bad years for the Niners when they talk about draft positions. Yeah, yeah I would have had, I would have rather had Aaron Rodgers on the team for what it's worth. But we got Alex Smith, who's now a Redskin. Um, so if you're a Raider fan, I would think at this point maybe you're looking at it and thinking. It's time just to rebuild. It's time to look to next season. What can we get, especially defensively? But the Raiders did not look good on any side of the ball. They made the Seahawks' D look like Legion of Boom Whoa. all over again. Um, when you look at the Raiders' possessions, I'm going to go ahead and break it down for you. The go first ahead. one was a punt. The second one, they fumbled. <laughs> then you had a missed field goal. Then we had a failed fourth down conversion. And then you come back. That was at the uh, the halftime mark. So you come back <laughs> after the half. You have a fumble again, and then two punts, and then finally in the very last drive the Raiders have, they score. And granted, they missed that one a field, field goal. goal. By the way. So th there were people out there, and they're going, oh, we missed that field goal? I could hear them in the stands because you were pretty close in Wembley. They had you behind this barrier because they said, I asked about it, and it was a security thing. They said, for one, they didn't want us on their pitch all the tripods or, you know, people walking around with different kind of gear. There are photographers that had done it before that were sitting, which I never see in the States. They were sitting on stools and they had their laptops out and they're sitting there filing their photos. Yeah, because they're behind a wall. There was, <laughs> we were all behind this wall and you had to kneel, but I was too short to kneel. So, like, I had to do this weird, like, lunging thing. But that's aside from the point. But I could hear the fans. <laughs> so the fans back there were saying, like, how did we miss that first field goal? How did Carr keep getting hit? How was he sacked six times? These and are like British football fans or Raider fans? They were both in the crowd. Wow. And it's interesting, I noticed, when you go overseas, and I think this was true in Mexico as well. You were there with us uh, last year when we went to Mexico City. Also a nightmare for the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was like e even bigger juggernaut of a team <laughs> that they were facing in the Patriots who ended up in the Super Bowl. This year, we're looking at the Seahawks, who I don't think are Super Bowl bound at all. They're 3-3 three and three team. So they looked stellar. They looked like they were out having just, you know, Russell Wilson's out there on the field picking his shots. He must have thrown to like eight different receivers in the game. He was just 
saying, hey, oh, look, I have all day behind the line. Okay. There was like twice he had to scramble. Yeah, I thought there was a point in the game. I think it was already 7-0, and it was still the first quarter, I think. And then uh, Russell Wilson gets a bat snap. He has to go get the ball before, before, you know, he fumbles it. He picks up the ball. He throws it to to David Moore for a big touchdown. It's 14-0. I thought the game was over at that point. We're still talking about first quarter, early second quarter. That game was over at 14-0. You could sense that the Raiders had no, you know, passion for that game. There was no energy out there. And you were talking about the Legion of Boom. How about Frank Clark? I think Frank Clark won the Defensive Player of the Year from that <laughs> performance of killing Colton Miller nonstop. Yeah. He did win the NFC uh, Defensive Player of the Week. So uh, Frank Clark is doing something right. But I know Frank, Frank Clark is a good player, but, man, he looked like he was Khalil Mack out there. And poor Colton Miller, I got to give him credit. He was playing with an injured bum knee. But maybe you were hurting the team by being out there. But the Raiders have no backups at left tackle, so I get it. They're kind of a lose-lose. But, man. Derek Carr got sacked six times. You mentioned the two fumbles. The only positive here, Derek Carr didn't throw an interception, but he, he turned over the ball twice, you know, in a fumble. So overall, it was a bad, ugly game, and you know, we could go all day about everything. But yeah, uh, the Seahawks look like a playoff team just from playing the Raiders. But three and three, yeah, it's not the Patriots. No, and uh, you talked about Frank Clark, and he was responsible for forcing both fumbles. So that's right. I think uh, you know he was able to get to Carr quite often, like you said, just owning the rookie. And in fact, John Gruden was asked during the press conference about that, like, "What do you do about these rookies? Is there anything that you would change?" And basically, he can't. There is no nothing. options. No, there are, there are no options. But he gave a very diplomatic answer he said these rookies are getting quality time at their starts (laughs) i think that this is going to pay you know great things for their experience and these guys need that time to learn and adjust plus they're our best players so that was something he said in the press conference i I like the shade that uh john gordon threw in that quote he's like i'm starting 10 rookies what happens to all this thing of that i only start veterans and i only love old guys well look at the rookies i have so that's one positive john gordon is taking from this uh this nightmare but are fans taking any positives away from it uh, there's already a website gilbert is grudengagne.com started by fans and this site if you go and look at it you have this timer i wonder how many fans and, are refreshing this oh yeah 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 a lot it basically it says by the second how much money he's still <laughs> owed and how much money he's made since i clicked onto the website so like if you go on there now basically if you spend i'd say a minute on that website i'm at six dollars right now yeah okay so there you go (laughs) not even a minute we haven't been talking for 30 seconds (laughs) and gilbert's already made six dollars so we're almost beyond the minimum wage here for nevada if you wait and go on for like one minute you'll make minimum wage so i I think that it's pretty funny that they did this um that only takes six games and we still have nine years left Yeah. And, you know, you come here to Vegas and everybody's excited about the team coming a lot. A lot of that I hear. There are, of course, the other people on the other side that don't want the Raiders here, that think it's going to bring trouble, that think it's going to, you know, jack up the rents, if you will, uh, around them. They're not Vegas born. They're not from here. Right. Yeah. But when you look at the area around there, there's the billboard of Gruden. They have Raiders are coming everywhere. It's now basically is this statement in the middle of Vegas on the opposite side of Mandalay Bay that's like, yeah, Gruden, everyone's excited. He's going to be here. But are we? Are we excited? Uh, not You're anymore. Not. <laughs> the, the honeymoon phase for John Gruden Part 2 is over. And I, I'm, I'm going to kind of give myself some credit. When they they signed John Gruden and in February and January, I'm like, really? And then 10 years, $100 million? Whoa, what are we thinking here? And people were really excited. I'm like, I get it's a big name. I know John Gruden is very beloved there. But 
Did we forget what he did in Tampa Bay with the Buccaneers for his final four or five years? It was a bad experience for both sides, for the organization and for and for uh, Chucky there. He couldn't draft players. He couldn't get to the playoffs. And now we're going to ask John Gruden to turn this franchise around after not coaching for 10 years. This league uh, changes every year. It's a fast-paced league. Look at Sean McVay. He's only 32 years old, and he's probably the best coaching mind in football. You want to ask a guy who hasn't coached in 10 years to take take over uh, the Raiders and help them? I wasn't, you know— I wasn't on the on the battle win at the point, but I thought, hey, it's 10 years. It's done. Let's give it a shot. But so far, it's been kind of a horrific start. I love Sean McVay because you talk about him and what he's done with the Rams. He's got two players that didn't know what side of the planet that the sun came up on. <laughs> Farrell Cooper. <laughs> Jared Goff. Yeah, Jared Goff. I remember that from Hard Knocks. I'll never forget it. And here he is able to teach them a very intricate playbook and have them succeed. But they didn't know what side the sun came up on so, or, or set. <laughs> well, so, that's, that's what happens when you're coached by <laughs> Jeff Fisher for a year, and then Sean McVay comes in and turns it around. And that's what people were hoping with John Gruden. And so far, <laughs> he's managed to make Jack Dorio look like the better coach, which is hard to do. And Jack Dorio took this team to the playoffs two years ago, not two decades ago. It was only two years ago. And now this team is being stripped. Uh, Amari Cooper is on the trading block. Khalil Mack is not on the team. And Derek Carr, he's probably broken right now. I would say very broken after six sacks. Uh, And (laughs) he played it off really well up until I saw a photograph of him that appeared as though he was wincing in some serious pain and maybe that there were even tears. And that kind of went viral on uh, Monday after the game. So they all were handling it very well, I think, as far as being leaders of the team, the face of the team, Derek Carr went and spoke a good game to the reporters, made it seem like, you know, this kind of thing happens. I'm never going to talk bad about my O-line. I'm never going to put these guys down. And at some point, I'm sure in his head he is, even if he's not (laughs) telling us. He seems like a very positive guy, though. Yeah, that's one positive thing about him. I I think he gets out there and he always tries to make the best of a bad situation. But at this point, he's going to have a lot to do with trying to make everybody believe that he believes that. I don't believe him. I'm looking at him going, yeah, right. You got rocked. You probably have a cracked rib that you're not telling us about, and you're probably having to play with it. And he keeps grabbing his shoulder. It's not the first time I've seen him grab his shoulder in this game. And it's his non-throwing arm, but still, he's been sacked so many times that he keeps when he goes down and gets hit, he's grabbed his shoulder more than once I've seen on the field there. Um, But... At this point, Gruden says that they are not tanking. The state of the Raiders right now, we were talking about that a little bit here in the beginning. And John Gruden said on Tuesday to the Associated Press, I'll say this, we aren't tanking anything. I hear the hatred out there, some of the rumors that we are tanking it to get a first-round pick or a higher pick, but we are not getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to tank it. Ain't nobody tanking it. I don't know who wrote that or who said that or who thinks that, but that is not the case. So he is a little fired up about that. And, you know, he says that they're going to continue to work hard, continue building the team. That's his message right now. So uh, I'm just curious exactly where they start this year with anything where does that team rebuild this year? I don't think that there is a place that you can until people are healthy. 
until you can get Marshawn Lynch uh, more than 50 yards in a game. I mean, they were trying to force him. He's hurt, too, already. Might be long-term groin injury, so you can't kind of march him for a little bit, too. And and on this particular game, he was averaging, you know, less than four yards a carry. I believe he was at 3.5 yards a carry, and that's not where you want your lead back. And at one point, they actually had to just abandon the run because they're so far behind. So that leaves everything on Derek Carr, and you can't protect a guy on that line long enough for him to get a throw out to any other receiver. I mean, Jordy Nelson was a bust this week. Uh, Martavis Bryant was a bust this week. Then they lost Seth Roberts at one point in the game. And Mark Cooper. Concussions, both. That was a huge part of the game for them. So the thing about that, too, was like an incomplete pass, and then he gets hit after the fact. There's no flag called on the play, and this guy Bradley McDougald comes in and just hits him straight dead on. You could hear it, and it was really a sad moment in the stadium. And I think for even London fans that are trying to learn the game and to see someone laid out like that, you would think in, in soccer that somebody gets a penalty for something like that. So flopping. That's an egregious, yeah, egregious kind of hit, and nothing happened here. In a year in football where you're trying to, you know, protect the players, and there's so many of these soft calls, by the by the way, I'm going to say soft calls in parenthes- uh, quotation marks, say, oh, this is not a big hit. That was a dirty hit. That was the main hit, You should, and you don't flag that one? That doesn't make any sense But to yet me. they're flagging Clay Matthews for clean sacks. Yeah, but yeah. Not, not when you're hitting somebody, a defensive player who is going down, didn't even catch the ball, get, gets hit in the helmet, and no flag. Before we get going here, I want to refer to a column written by Ed Graney. He was talking about where the team goes. Are they just rebuilding for Vegas? It was part of the focus of his last column after the game with the Seahawks. And uh, he actually asked John Gruden in the press conference if this is a point where the team needs to rebuild. And here's what Gruden had to say about that. We're going to continue to build the team. You know, I've only been here for six or seven months. You know, we've got some some players hurt. Carl Joseph, hopefully KO can come back after the bye. Uh, we lost some men today. Hopefully they can heal up and play as well. Um, but I'm not going to say anything other than that. We know we've got a ways to go here. So that's what Gruden had to say about the Raiders and rebuilding for this year. Uh, He's definitely not all in on trying to rebuild, definitely not looking at rebuilding for Vegas. But what he is trying to do is salvage this season. Again, the Raiders 1-5 and on a bye this week, week 7. We're going to come back and talk about week 7, some numbers, betting lines with Nick Costos. We're also going to look ahead to what happens in week 8, when the Raiders do come back from that much-needed buy and face the Colts. So stay tuned here to the Vegas Nation podcast brought to you by your local Southern Nevada Toyota dealer. The Toyota RAV4, it's up for anything. Toyota, let's go places. Let's go be spontaneous. Let's go out of our comfort zone. Let's go make the most of it in the Toyota Corolla. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome back, everybody, to the Vegas Nation podcast brought to you by your local Southern Nevada Toyota dealer. Right now, we are joined by a great friend of mine, somebody I've worked with in the past and who now is an anchor on CBS Sports HQ and the host of Sportsline on HQ, Nick Costos. You can follow him on Twitter at The Costos. Nick, thank you for joining us. I know you're in the midst of moving. I know you're uh, getting all your things settled and the Wi-Fi is not even in yet, but man, you're doing me a huge huge favor coming on the show. I really appreciate you joining us. How's everything going, Nick? Everything is great, Heidi. Um, an absolute pleasure to be on with you. 
um, it is not a big deal in the slightest. You know, you and I, as you said, go back a long time working. Seems like in a lifetime ago, maybe in another life at uh, Sirius XM in Manhattan. So uh, more than happy to do it. Obviously, think the world of you. Think you're extremely talented. So when you when you asked me if I would come on, of course the answer would be yes. To move or no move. So thank you very much for having me. Well, thanks again, Nick. And right now. I want to get into all this week seven, the betting lines, what's happening out there in the NFL world with when it comes to picking who people should be looking at for week seven, because, you know, the Raiders are on a buy and I want to make things fun. I want to let people know how they can make some money out there in week seven. And you're the guy I'm going to turn to because I seem to remember you being very, very very knowledgeable about all of this and what happens with betting. I am what they call a square. I know that. I know I'm a square. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I just go, oh, look, I think the Jets have a decent defense and three and a half is great. So I'm going to bet the Jets. But I don't think that that's what you look at when you're doing your numbers and picking your winners. Uh, I saw some things on Twitter like you have uh, the Buffalo at Indianapolis game seven and a half that you're saying is far away from that one because of Nathan Peterman. <laughs> I don't blame you there. That's something even I think I, I would agree to as a square. But, Nick, um, tell us some of your favorites for this week and what you think about some of the lines out there. So I, I think really just in, and, and I'll start with the philosophy, Heidi, and you're talking about like, like, like squares, right? A square meaning someone who just doesn't really know much about how to gamble and is just really like will take favorites really and expect a lot of points. Like a square parlay is generally like the favorite and the over because it's like, oh, they're going to – the favorite's going to win. The favorite's going to blow them out, and they're going to win by a lot of points. So favorite and the over. Well, I like to go pretty much the opposite of that. And really, the way that I like to handicap games is two ways. Number one, if you, and I say you meaning you, Heidi, or, or you, the person that's listening to this right now, if you were to ask 10 of your friends, 20 of your friends that are sports fans, who do you like in this game, and you give them the spread, and they all pick one side, you should go the other way and take the other side, no matter what it is. <laughs> Because all those casinos, those lovely casinos and hotels in Vegas, they didn't appear out of thin air. Like, if everyone were right all the time, then the house would be bankrupt and everyone would be rich. So you generally, I feel like you want to be swimming against the tide, right, where everyone's going. You want to be on the side of the house as much as possible. The second way I like the handicap games is I like bounce-back spots, right, where you try to get value. And, and, and when, you, when you bet on NFL games or bet on any games, you have to look at it as almost like the stock market, right? You're betting on numbers. You're not betting on teams, and that's something that I think a lot of people, it's tough to understand when you first start gambling, right, the gambling on sports, is you're not gambling on LeBron James and the Lakers. You're gambling on, like, like the product that is L.A., and, like, are they valued? Are they overvalued? Is there value in them on a particular night? So generally what you get is a team coming off a loss will be undervalued, especially in the NFL where there's only one game a week and you have a media cycle that goes into play for seven days, either saying this team's great or this team sucks. So generally, teams coming off a loss are undervalued, and teams coming off wins are overvalued. So those are spots that I, I, that I, I ultimately gravitate towards. So there are a bunch of them this week that, 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 I, that I like quite a bit. So the first one will be the 9.30 a.m. game, 6.30 a.m. Pacific, where you are, which is the Titans-Chargers game, which is being played in London. So this is a great way. Put your bet in on this game, and you win basically before the other games start, and you have a great start to your day. So... The Titans last week were absolutely terrible, right? Lost 21-0 to the Ravens, shut out at home. Marcus Mariota sacked 11 times. Chargers Whoa. coming off a big win on the road in Cleveland. And the Chargers are less than a touchdown favorite. So, again, if you're a square, right, and that's not a bad thing. It's just like someone that's not educated. If you were to ask your friends, like, who's going to win this game? Chargers by 10 points or more, I guess, would be what people would say. 
That's why you want to take Tennessee. The NFL doesn't make sense. Like, the bet does not have to make sense. It just has to win. And I think the Titans are actually undervalued in this spot. So Tennessee is a, is a pick that I really like. I'll give you a couple other quick ones here. I like the Redskins. Even though that's not really a spot undervalued, overvalued, I just think the Redskins are better than the Cowboys, and I felt that for a long time. And Monday Night Football, I think the Giants have a good chance to beat the Falcons outright, and I definitely like the Giants a lot to cover that spread on Monday night in Atlanta. Yeah, I like that spread too. Even at 54 and a half, I like it because those two teams are going to put up a lot of points. Uh, uh, Nick, there's one that really stands out to me is uh, New Orleans at Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore's getting uh, minus two and a half points right now. I'm thinking, why not the Saints being the favorite? You know, they're a high-explosive offense uh, with Alvin Kamara and Drew Brees, and they got Mark Ingram back. Baltimore getting two and a half points. I know they have, they have a great defense. I think they're they're allowing only 12 points per game. Why not take a take a shot with the Saints? Um, I, I think the right team's favored in the game. I don't think the Saints should be favored on the road. I think the Ravens are actually – the Ravens might end up being – I feel like we're like five or six years ago now where it's like the Ravens might be the best – the best chance to beat the Patriots in the AFC, and that includes the Kansas City Chiefs because this defense is really good, and Joe Flacco is playing really well now with Lamar Jackson behind him. Um, Saints are coming off a bye, which is a little a little worrisome here. I lean towards the Ravens, but this is not a spot that I really like again because Baltimore's coming off a win, Saints are coming off a bye, and also coming off a win. So I don't think there's really great value on either side of this game. I do think that the line should be Ravens minus three. And the fact that you're getting that half point at a key number three, the two key numbers, three and seven in the NFL, I lean towards the Ravens. But this is a game that I'm staying away from, that I, that I will not be playing this Sunday. Will you play the Lions at the Dolphins without Ryan Tannehill? They have Brock Osweiler, and I, I don't know if I can say that what happened last week with them was a kind of flash-in-the-pan type of situation or that we're going to get a repeat performance. Uh, I think uh, Detroit – they're kind of people are starting to stay away from Detroit in this game. Uh, would you? Um, I would not play the Lions. No, I would play the Dolphins or nothing because I feel like the Lions are a three-point road favorite in that game now. With um, with it looks likely that Osweiler is going to start. It won't be Ryan Tannehill, which means that if you flip it right, so three points for home field on either side, it means that Detroit would be a nine-point favorite at home against Osweiler and the Dolphins. And I think that that's kind of out of whack, to be honest here. And Miami's got a really good secondary, and that's really the strength of, of Detroit's offense is the passing game, right, with Stafford and Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Golden Tate. And Davian Howard might be one of the best young cornerbacks in the league, and Miami safety tandem Rashad Jones and Micah Fitzpatrick, very good. So, again, this is not a game that I'm looking to play, that I'm excited to play, because I don't want to put one cent of my hard-earned American money on Brock Osweiler. <laughs> but I do feel like there, there's no value with the Lions in this spot. So, for me, it's... It's the Dolphins or nothing, and um, it'll most likely be nothing. Nick, you, you mentioned uh, look for teams that kind of they're coming off a loss that they need a bounce back game. How about the Chicago Bears at home? They're playing the Patriots. The Bears uh, have Khalil Mack, who's kind of banged up, but that Bears defense is re- still very solid overall. Do you take a chance with the Bears uh, getting a uh, plus three points? Yeah, if you can get three, especially three and a half, I actually do like Chicago getting those points. I think that Mitch Trubisky and the Bears offense will be able to put some points up on the Patriots defense. And the Bears second, like pass rush is not going to be as bad as it was last week. It was non-existent. So they are in for a bounce back here. Now, I will caution this. There is going to be professional money that comes in on the Bears in this spot. So I've already actually seen it down to Patriots minus two and a half in some books. If it's minus two and a half, I don't think you can take Chicago. I think the only way you can take the Bears is if it's three or three and a half. I really like it a lot at three and a half. I like it at three, but if it's Patriots minus two and a half and you could lose 
on the Patriots winning by a field goal, then I don't think you can do it. So just monitor that line. But it's Bears or nothing for me, no matter what. I, I will not bet the Patriots in that game. Just switching gears here on you, Nick. I want to ask you about the Raiders and their season, what you make of it do right we now. Have to? <laughs> <laughs> Just for the sake of the listeners here that are into the Vegas Nation podcast, uh, you have, you know, them coming back against Indianapolis next week, and they're both one in five teams. The Raiders obviously had the big debacle back in London, and I just want to know from just a non-betting perspective, what you look at when you see this team, and is there any hope for them to rebound this year? This year? No, no, no. No, 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 no. There's no chance. Unless, like, they build a time machine and they get, like, Rich Gannon from, like, the year 2000 and maybe they get Art Shell and Gene Upshaw from, like, the late 70s, early 80s on the offensive line. No, no, no. Zero percent chance the Raiders can do anything this year. None. So, um, so bet against them all the time. Bad with that team. Yeah, they're, they're, they're terrible. And, and the body language is bad. Everything's yeah. bad about the team right now. And you can see that Carr has kind of lost his confidence a little bit. Um, so this year is shot. They're going to go four and twelve this year, which is I thought they were going to go like seven and nine or eight and eight. I didn't think they were going to be great, but this is a lot worse than I was expecting it to be. And obviously, the Khalil Mack trade didn't help, but it's hard to really blame John Gruden for it. And I'm not going to defend Gruden too much because I do feel like this is a team that's clearly kind of lost its way, and you can really put that at the um, at the blame of the coach. You can really blame the head coach for that, but. Gruden's not the one that paid Derek Carr, and that's looking like a colossal mistake. And it, it, it's tough when you're trying to have this long rebuild when you've got two guys making X amount of money in, in, in Carr and potentially Khalil Mack. So while it's an easy criticism of John Gruden to say, hey, how do you trade Khalil Mack? Part of me, from the economic standpoint of football, part of me does kind of understand it. Now, I think that this is maybe like the one place where you can kind of be a little optimistic if you're if you're a Raiders fan. And, and it's going to come down to the offseason, right? Because Gruden spent this entire offseason very strangely kind of adding over-the-hill veterans. Like, it's a very old roster. It's kind of weird the way, that, the way that they did it. It kind of felt to me like Gruden was saying, let's contend for this year or try and contend while we then try and slowly tear it down for a couple of years before we get to Vegas. Well, yeah. They need to tear it down right now, and I think that's going to start this offseason. And I think the big thing that you're going to see is when the Raiders do come to Vegas, Derek Carr is not going to be the quarterback of this team. They're, they're going to cut Derek Carr. I don't think there's any question about it. they got two first-round picks coming up this year, and they have the ammunition. So like the other bad teams that need a quarterback, right? the Giants, for instance. The Giants don't have the ammunition that the Raiders have with those extra picks they got from the Bears. So if the Raiders, let's say, they decide that they want Oregon's Justin Herbert, let's say that he's the guy, right? And he does appear to be the guy that's going to be the first quarterback selected. If John Gruden decides that he wants Justin Herbert, he's got the draft capital, so all those extra picks, to go up and get Justin Herbert. So, and, and that could really change things dramatically, where if they get a new quarterback in there, a Gruden system that, that can rock and roll and, uh, and score some points, then I think the Raiders could be cooking a little bit when, uh, when the time comes for Vegas. But I think it's kind of too early to say one way or another if it's Vegas – the guys, the people that live in Vegas should be optimistic about the Raiders or not. But as far as the Raiders this year, probably a better chance of, of, of the three of us and eight randos probably competing than the, uh, than the Raiders this year. At the <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, who finishes with the better record? Because I'd seen this uh, in the sports books as of last week. The Raiders and the 49ers were 20,000 to one <laughs> to, to get to the Super Bowl. Who ends with a better season, Nick? Oh, the, the 49ers. And the 49ers are a well-coached team. Like, 
here's the big difference between the Raiders and the 49ers. And this is, again, where you can criticize John Gruden and where we'll compliment Kyle Shanahan, right? Where the Niners lost their starting quarterback, their franchise quarterback, and the guy who was supposed to be their starting running back in Jarek McKinnon. Mm-hmm. And in prime time on Monday night in Green Bay against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they should have won that game. And they were in it until the very end. So they are at least playing hard. They are fighting for their head coach and fighting for victories, whereas the Raiders went to London and completely mailed it in. So I think the Niners will end up with the better record. And I think you can make the case that without Garoppolo and McKinnon, the Raiders might actually have the better roster, 1 through 53. But I think Kyle Shanahan at this point is a better coach than Gruden. Now, maybe Gruden gets it turned around when he has his guys in there. But, uh, yeah, I think the Niners will probably end up. The Raiders should have more wins. I think the Niners will end up with more wins. So, okay, nine and a half the Niners are getting against the Rams on Sunday. Go all in. Go all in on the Niners. Take that nine and a half. (laughs) You know, it's really interesting, right, because it seems like the Rams is a square play here, but I actually think that they're a really good play. And and, and it does a little worry me a little bit that the numbers drop from 10 to nine and a half. But I just think this is a spot where the Rams, and I've gone against the Rams the last couple weeks as a big road favorite, and three straight road games is a little worrisome. But we saw the Ravens cover last week in their third straight road game. So two weeks ago, the Rams in Seattle were, were touchdown favorites. Yeah, the Rams won by two. Seahawks covered. Last week, Rams a touchdown favorite on the road in Denver. Rams went by three. Broncos cover. I don't think it's going to happen this week. I don't think this Niners secondary is good, and I think the Rams are going to have to pedal to the metal, and I think the Rams are going to blow the, the, the doors off the 49ers on Sunday. So I actually, I actually will be looking to lay it with the Rams on Sunday. All right, there you have it. Nick Costos, you can give him a follow on Twitter, at the Costos. He's a moving man because he's got this great job as an anchor with CBS Sports HQ and also hosts their show Sportsline on HQ. So give him a follow. He's got a fantasy football show as well as a podcast that you can listen to. And he's into wrestling within this corner that he does as well on CBS. So, Nick, again, thank you so much for the time. Welcome back to the East Coast uh, there and with your family, and uh, I'll let you get back to moving, man. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you guys very much, and I can't wait to, for my next Vegas trip, my second favorite city in the world behind New York, Viva Las Vegas. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, when you, you come, when you come back on, you have to come in again, Nick, and join us here in the podcast. Oh, I will definitely be, be contacting you and Phil. There's no question about it. Don't you worry, like I always do. Don't you worry. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you again for the time. All right, again, that was Nick Costos. You can give him a follow again at the Costos on Twitter. The man knows his stuff. He knows his numbers. He knows his betting lines. And he'll even admit when he's wrong on Twitter. I've seen him do it. <laughs> when he gives information out there that goes the wrong way, he'll say, look, I thought I saw something special, but I was wrong. So as we look ahead, he, he talked about the Raiders season, but we've got to look ahead here to what's to come with the Indianapolis Colts. These are two 1-5 and five teams going up against each other. And Andrew Luck, for what it's worth, he's got a very decent arsenal of receivers. He's got a not great defense, but I think we're – it's concerned to where the Raiders line up and where the Colts line up on both sides of the ball. They're pretty even. It's very slight differentials in the numbers as far as how many yards are allowed, how, how much the defense pressures, how uh, the offense moves the ball. But one thing that's been bothering me about the Raiders team is that they're predictable. They're very predictable in the offense, and I can tell by a certain look that Carr gives these days or the way that you can see the IA formation set with just Marshawn in the back, you know that that means they're going to run. Uh, It's too easy to figure out. If I'm figuring it out after this many games, 
then the defenses are surely keyed in on it. I think that's been a major problem in addition to, again, all the injuries, all the banged up O-line. But as we look at the end of the bye week and what's to come with the Raiders and the Colts game, what do you see just generally Gilbert as positives maybe? Let's give the fans some positives. What can positive happen out of this? What can come out of the game that could be good for the Raiders? This might be a stretch, but maybe something mental for Derek Carr. The last time the, the Colts and the Raiders played each other was uh, December 24th, 2016. That's when Derek Carr uh, broke his fibula. He, he injured his leg and couldn't make the playoff game. And people have said since he, he injured his leg, he, he's kind of been uh, gun-shy. He's kind of afraid to get hit, and he's not the same quarterback. Uh, uh, from that game on, he hasn't been the same quarterback. That is true. I, I wouldn't say he's afraid to get hit. He's been taking a lot of hits, and he's been playing a, a, a very valiant effort. But, yeah, maybe if Derek Carr has a good game and he balls out and faces demons against the Colts, I know the Colts don't have a great defense, but maybe mentally for Derek Carr, hey, I I, I could throw for 400 yards against the Colts. Uh, life is good again. I'm going to be 26ing Derek Carr again. We'll see. But at this point, you're kind of reaching for any any type of positive. But, yeah, that's a game where Derek Carr got hurt and maybe where the Raiders' uh, fortune changed. And that's something, too, from last year. You bring up the injury that he had to his leg and coming back from that. Well, last year at the Denver game, Carr gets hurt again. His back was a big problem last year. So Fractured. Yeah, you think he's been through that. He's been through the broken leg, and now it's just a broken O-line that can't protect him for longer than three And a bum shoulder now. He he Mm -hmm. took a big hit in that uh, Seahawks game. So Derek Carr is not right. Maybe that bye week gets him right. And But, yeah, if your O-line is not protecting him, what can you do? That's a, that's what it boils down to when it comes down to it. He doesn't have time to get rid of the ball. He's not necessarily a scrambling out of the pocket type quarterback. He's not somebody that you're going to see run for first downs. So And and then you bring up, like Costo said, uh, and you also said, touched on it, is the confidence. This man can't have much confidence after getting hit time after time after time. It was six times to be exact in the last game. So we well, it's need- not 11 like Marcus Mariota. No, it's... Man, if I were Mariota, <laughs> I, I, I probably could be calling a code red on somebody in the locker room. But there's, for Carr, nobody to really rely on. There's not that veteran on your line. There's not a Donald Penn that you can kind of push behind. There's, uh, you know, Rodney Hudson, and he's doing all he can to hold it down at center. But you just have no time. There is no time for him to make a decision. There's no time for him to find a deep pass down the field. But one of the things, too, that's always kind of driven me nuts about the Raiders and their offense is there's no type of play action. There's nobody... Like if you like I was saying, you could determine when Marshawn's going to run the ball. If you see Jalen Richard in the back, you know they're going to throw out a small pass to the flat. So with that in mind, I don't know why they don't mix it up and give Derek Carr maybe a chance by throwing in some play action, something of that nature. Yeah, the weird thing about uh, before the the last two games, the Charger game, the Seahawks game, the Raiders were actually getting a bunch of yards. They were number two in total offense mm-hmm. behind the Rams at, at one point after the Browns game. Is there's nothing special about it, but they were moving the ball and getting yards somehow. Maybe just you know picking apart the middle with, with Jared Cook, and then eventually you get a deep bomb here and there. But ever since that Chargers game, nothing has gone right offensively, and it could be to the O line. And for uh, not having clutch assembly, they're at the left guard, your two-time Pro Bowler. Maybe he was helping out Colton Miller a lot in the left side. And then once you lose Kelechi and he's not there to bail you out, then you're looking like a rookie again. So And also, I know Colton has the, the bum knee, but yeah, he's not looking right. And then, yeah, like you said, uh, poor Ronnie Hudson, he's the only guy there and you know, is trying to contribute and nobody's uh, uh, 
you know, healthy. And then you had you had a bunch of depth at first. Donald Penn, he moves the right to the right side. It must be nice having your left tackle move to the right side. You, you have that type of flexibility. He goes on IR. So now you're losing your depth. There's no bodies left. So hopefully this bye week, you get Kalechi assembly back. Maybe Colts are a little, a little more healthier. And then that way you get Derek Carr more protection. But, you know, looking at the schedule, if they don't win this home game against the Colts, they, they might not win a game the rest of the way. I know they play your Niners. That, that could be a, a big game there in the Bay Area. That's a, a winnable game. And then they play the Cardinals on the road. But other than that, they're they're heavy underdogs in every game besides those three games. So hopefully if you're the Raiders, you could beat the Colts and maybe beat the Niners and you kind of get you get the you know a good momentum and you feel confident, you feel good. But other than that, you probably have no chance. And this could be a 4-12 and game like uh, Nick said, a 4-12 season. Right. And you bring up the fact that the Raiders are at home. Did you know that this year, and this is something that is in their team notes, the Raiders are traveling more than any other team in the NFL 31,732 wow. miles that they'll be logging and the London trip being 10,000 miles alone. So for them, I'm sure being home and having <laughs> that bye week is going to bring them a lot of comfort. Maybe at this point, that's what the team needs is just to refocus, be with their families, come back out, play a great game against the Colts and get back to doing just what they do on the field, playing football and and having fun. Remember in uh, was it any given Sunday, Al Pacino's like, look at the Buick, <laughs> go to the Buick, be that kid out there in the street, catch the ball. So I think that that's something that would help the Raiders is to kind of just let it loose a little bit and just not think so much about the pressure. We have to win a game. I think that may be something important with the locker room mindset, but how do they get there after this kind of game that they had in London? Very tough. And also knowing that you're not safe. The, tra- the trading block is uh, the trading deadline is around the corner, October 30th. Who, who knows is going to be safe? And if you hear your name and trade rumors, you don't feel like you want to play for this coach. You don't, you don't want to work hard for this coach. And also, I'm wondering what Raider fans are feeling for this uh, Colts game. They're both one and five. In the long run, the loser might benefit for getting a better draft pick. And if, you, if you're if you kind of done with Derek Carr and you want Justin Herbert from Oregon or you want to replace Khalil Mack with uh, Nick Bosa, you should probably lose this game and get a better draft pick if you're tanking. But uh, uh, John Gruden says there's no tanking going around, so we should expect the Raiders to win that game, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. <laughs> I don't have a lot of faith in that saying yes to that. But you saw, you know, this last thing I want to touch on here, uh, Amari Cooper, you talked about that. I mean, for him as a player, that's not really cool that he goes down the way he did in the game, gets concussed, left the game, putting in a good effort, trying to make a play on a ball that was likely uncatchable. Well, was uncatchable in the end for him. But it, I have a shot of it. It was really great. He had his fingertips just on it. So it was Ooh. just one of those ones that was just out of his reach. But anyway, uh, the fact that you're going through that and then you hear that you're on the trading block and that there's rumors that they want to shop but you. But they want a first-round pick, so that makes them yeah. feel a little better. Hey, I'm valued at a first-round pick. No? Positive? Mm. Uh, I, I, I would be a little bit upset as a player that, you know, that, <laughs> but, you know, for, I guess, Amari Cooper right now, maybe it's better for him to just cut his ties, move on to what is going to be a better yeah. landing spot for him. Cause he's had flashes of hot and cold with the Raiders where he's had really great games and then he'll go and have a case of the drop these drop season completely regress. And then he'll come back and have a solid game. But he's been that guy who's when Crabtree left, you thought he's going to be that number one guy in the red zone. He's going to be the main target. 
and he has been for the most part but when he, consistent yeah unreliable uh, exactly and then you have games where like Jordy Nelson's the guy who blows up and you have the game where Jared Cook is the guy who blows up so he's a matchup play and we talk about fantasy mm-hmm. football like if you see there's a good corner on him or a good secondary you do not want Amari Cooper in your lineup so I think that's the way the Raiders treat him like hey their car he's a good cornerback he's not gonna throw his weight and when you're a number one receiver it shouldn't matter who's on you yeah and I think for Amari Cooper that he's not that special to get around, like you said, a decent defensive back. Maybe he might be on another team where they have designed plays for him that work out well. But um, right now it's just not clicking with him and the Raiders. He's not getting targets. They're not getting him involved with the offense. The, the best receivers get force-fed the ball, and John Gruden is not doing it for, for Amari Cooper. So, And who knows, maybe – Another coach could figure out how to use him, and he, he has a lot of talent, and maybe he'll break out somewhere else. So like you said, maybe a fresh start is better for Mark Cooper. Absolutely. So there you have it with everything that happened with the Raiders from week six. And again, we gave you some things to look forward to with week seven with Nick Costos breaking down the betting lines and where you can make some money, where you can put in some big plays. Hopefully things work out for you from that segment. <laughs> I'd like for some people to hit us up on Facebook or Twitter and say, yeah, that paid off for me. I'm glad I listened to the Vegas Nation podcast. So again, you can catch up with us every episode on iTunes. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you get notified for every new episode that we have. Next week, we'll be back with Michael Gelkin and uh, we'll break down everything with the Raiders and the Colts. And this Vegas Nation podcast, again, brought to you by your local Southern Nevada Toyota dealer. Thank you again to Nick Costos for coming on. Again, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Give us all a follow here from Vegas Nation on Twitter. You can get up Gilbert at GMonzano24. Michael Gelkin at GelkinNFL. I'll hit him up even though he's in Ireland. You know, maybe tell him some good spots to hit up while he's out there, guys. And I am at Heidi Fang. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening.